All right, welcome to In the House 2.0, episode 118. We've got the OG on here. Evan Floyd was in such a rush to get here for this pod. He sprung, sprained, sprung, how do you sprained. say he sprung, sprained your sprained. ankle? What, why did you do it, Evan? Yeah, mostly I just wanted to make things as difficult as possible on my wife. That was the real, you know, uh, just being extremely selfish is uh, why I sprained my ankle. But uh, it's it's painful, but no hurt no worse than my pride, I promise. <laughs> Oh well, thanks for joining us, Evan. Is the yep, for those that have been listening, yeah, for those that have been listening to this for just recently, that have kind of picked up since we've done the video side of it. Evan is the one that sat in the meeting uh, and said, "Boys, I don't know if you all want to do a podcast, but I'm going to do a podcast. Whether you want to do one or not." And that was at Molly Malone's over in the what's that? What's that room called? The Shaheen Room. The Shaheen Room. Yeah. And uh, we were uh, supping up a nice pint of Guinness, I believe. I think I might have been on my fourth, and that's why I agreed to it. But yeah, <laughs> and thus in the house started out. They ran for a hundred episodes or so, and then turned over the reins to yeah. us two idiots. Need and uh, Scouts, we cannot hear you saying need beer. Yeah, I need beer. Okay. You know, I'm, I've been slacking today, and uh, you know, I, but I've, I've got my uh, lovely assistant right here, Lindsay, and she's uh, come down to help me get some beer. Oh, so to help us round out this podcast, so uh, Scouse and I just don't drive this thing off the rails like we typically do. We have our buddy Benton Newman on from Vamos Morados and 16 other things. So Benton, <laughs> first of all, do we need to play a game of how many scarves are behind you? There's not that many, actually. I don't, I'm not a big scarf collector. I did put them out right before I did my interview with Brooke, and I just kind of left them up because I'm like, it's actually a nice touch. I like that. Has Cody Ruth approved this for, is that enough scarves or not enough scarves? I only got like eight or something. Not that many. That's pretty much all of them. I have work to do. Evan, how many, how many would Cody wear for most games? Oh my goodness. I think that he told, I, this is vague recollections. I think he told me that at one point he was wearing about 55 around his waist. So, uh, you know, he's definitely into, uh, definitely above 30. And uh, I think under 80, but uh, I think he told me 55. He's not wearing it this year, which makes him hard to, I, I almost didn't recognize yeah. him when he rolls in. Yeah, yeah, you know, because uh, I think what they, they said was because he's wearing so many scarves, you know, he'd have to take them off because he'd have to pay for two tickets because he was taking them two spaces. <laughs> it's like paying for the extra seat on the airline. Yeah, that's the one. Charging overage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so uh, we're going to jump right into it. We... Actually, it took a week off uh, for the first time in about two or three months. I was traveling a little bit, and it kind of worked out well. Uh, so what we did is we actually have to recap four matches here. So Benton and uh, Evan, you got some heavy lifting to do because I was at none of them. I watched all of them. Uh, I was traveling both times. So uh, let's get into um, the first one, which was the racing gets their first win, 2-0. First win for Christy Holly, regular season. And... Uh, what a goal it was by Amina Ekic. I think it was the NWSL, one of the top goals of the week, wasn't it? I believe so. That was a wonder strike. That was a great way to start off the uh, off the goal scoring in the regular season for the NWSL. And, and for it to be the hometown girl, icing on the cake. And it's one of my favorite things, too, when something like that happens where it's clearly a play-to-the-whistle scenario. Half of the uh, Half of the opposing team had stopped playing defense because they thought there was going to be a handball call. 
but our girls played through the whistle and then not only played through, but then hit just an awesome goal, left everybody shaking their heads. Uh, the light show goes off in the stadium. And, man, I think that, that if you hadn't been to one of the, uh, the, the Challenge Cup games and hadn't seen that light show, it was, uh, it was electric in that stadium when that goal went off. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, I uh, had to tell you that I didn't see any of the game on Friday, and um, you know, it's the first time in a while that I've not even seen any of the match. But uh, you know, five nil loss—that's uh, that's a tough one to take. But uh, you know, it's one of those uh, nice big learning curves that I'm sure the ladies um, are having to deal with. So, um, for those of us who didn't watch it. What did you think of the performance they had out there? I th- I thought it was just kind of a tough night in the office. I mean, this is a very young squad. It's a brand new team. I, I think, unfortunately, a match like this was, was bound to happen where, where some of those things were, were going to get exposed. And I mean, personally, I felt it kind of came down to our ability to possess the ball, particularly in the midfield. Um, when you're not able to hold on to that ball and, and keep it on the uh, on the other half, the defense can only withstand so much before that dam breaks. And we can't mis- expect for Michelle Betos to be that brick wall she was in the what game was that Washington? Yeah, uh, the Washington was the five yeah, we, yeah, we can't um, can't expect for her to to have that many saves these match. So you know, if we don't solve that problem, that was going to happen. But um, it's never easy being an expansion side. I think I look back at some of the previous expansion teams. And they always generally, unfortunately, do pretty poorly. And I don't think that we're going to be that drastically off that curve. I think we can do better than some of them have done historically. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, this, this is going to happen. And this is kind of just going to be motivation for them in the future. They got to just uh, study that game film and see exactly what went wrong and work to improve from it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I was standing next to Joey Cecil and David O'Connell during uh, during these games, and the the notion that I bring from it is, I don't think we're a bad ex, uh, expansion side. I don't think we're going to be one of those teams that just has to sit through you know a brutal season, but I do think that we're going to be a team with a hugely high variance from game to game, where we can lose a game five nothing to an experienced and frankly championships quality side like North Carolina. But then I think that, you know, you're going to see a couple of games this year that we're going to win 4-1 against teams that, you know, maybe they thought, oh, we'll be fighting for a, for a draw. Uh, and, and this game was, a, like like Benton says, a great learning curve and, you know, what you can't do because we gave up the early goal and then played, uh, again, Michelle Betos played incredibly for the next 45 minutes to an hour before uh, before the, the rails came, the wheels came off the rails. But uh, you you get a nice sense of this is what it takes to keep this game close in a game where it doesn't look like you're going to be close. How do we keep it close? And they did for an hour before that game got away from them. And so I think that, you know, as much as you can take positives away from a five nil loss, I think that you can take some positives away from this game. And it made me think, you know, are we going to compete for the championship this year? Probably not, but it does make me think that we're going to win some games against teams that people won't think we will. And it makes me think that also we're going to lose some games worse than maybe we're playing at that time. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think it's important for uh, everyone just to realize that um, we just have to be patient. You know, it, um, unlike um, Louisville City, that um, when they started 
Racing Lowell are going in against some of the teams that are not just the the, the best in the United States, but the the best in the world because the the NWSL isn't for slouches. It's like um, it's like the Premiership of the women's leagues, and um, you know people just got to be patient and you know. Um, a lot of these players, they get 11 players on the pitch that have got a limited time where they play together where, you know, North Carolina, they, they, most of that team have been together for years, you know, um, you know, one of just quite a few of the players saying, you know, I'm going out to dinner with my best friend on the team. You know, our players have been there for a very short period of time. A lot of them, you know, are so young that, that you know, this is the first time away from home and, you know, it's a big change for them, and we just got to be patient. And I still think that um, Coach Holly is still the best man for the job because um, what he brings in experience with all these ladies is second to none. And um, I think that uh, you just be patient; it'll happen. You know, um, we're going to get beaten. You know, any team. Hey, shit! Remember the beginning of last season? Liverpool got beaten seven. Had seven goals put past them by Aston Villa. Who gets seven goals put past them by Aston Villa? And that's Liverpool, you know. So, right. yeah. as an Arsenal fan, I wouldn't know anything about teams that manage not to lose all season. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, I agree, Scouse. I think uh, you know, like you say, it's a team that's going to lose, but that uh, you got to follow the game plan that they put in place. I, I feel like. Uh, this is not a, you know, we can't be reactionary here. As Lou City fans, we've grown accustomed to being extremely reactionary. Like, we lost 4-1, hack out. We uh, we won 6-0, we're the best team that's ever existed. We're, you know, we drew 1-1 against an expansion side. You know, then this is, this is unacceptable. We can't be that kind of reactionary team with racing, I don't think. Just because it's going to be, it's going to be a process. There's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be growing pains. And uh, you just trust – I'll be most upset if I don't see improvement week to week. Uh, that's, that's what's going to – that's what I'm going to be watching for more than anything this season is uh, do we look more confident about what we're trying to accomplish week to week. And I think that the additions that we're bringing in over the next couple of weeks will uh, will further that and speed that goal along. Yeah, that's because you know, because one of the things that I'm really looking forward to is um, – um, what's her name? Gemma Bonner, Gemma Bonner. That, that is coming in. Um, and, and you know she's played for Liverpool. Now you know she just finished playing for Manchester City. And guess what? She's here now in Louisville. You know, so um, be interesting to see how uh, she gels with the team. Yeah, and Benton, one of the things that you know Coach Holly has said from the beginning, and you know James behind the scene, obviously, is this is not a, a one-year deal. We're not trying to win this year. We want to. We want that compete level. But they're building a system that's a high-press system with a young defense, we didn't draft many center backs, right? Yeah. That wasn't the thing. We drafted like six forwards, basically. And then we mm-hmm. kind of filled in a few other spots. So now we've got Jimmy coming over, play center back. But but th- that's kind of what, you know, Scouse and Evan were just saying there. And I kind of want you to expand on this a little bit because this is really a team that's trying to do something over a two, three-year thing. This is not just a big boom, mushroom, cloud thing, and then it goes away. Yep. It's a style that's being played that Christy wants is high energy, and we have seen that. This team never stops running. Ever. Yeah, he, yeah, he's, and that's one thing I've really appreciated about Coach Holly from the beginning is from, from as soon as he started talking to everybody and being, you know, um, once he got the role, so he had a clear vision for what he wanted to build, and he stuck with that. That's not altered at all. And you know, just after this, 
this most recent loss, you know, that don't that's not cause to throw out the whole game plan and, and try again. Um, I, I it can't be stressed enough how young this team is. I think if memory serves correct, I saw that they were the probably on a, average age the second youngest team. Not mm-hmm. to mention, most of these people have never played together before. That there's going to be that gelling element. Not to mention learning the whole system. It'll it'll definitely take time. These players are going to grow, and like Evan said, I want to see growth week over week. The barometer for this team probably isn't necessarily going to be what you're what you're seeing on the table, but more so it's the growth over the season. How is this team progressing and performing? Are they keeping it competitive? You take that one match out of the equation, they've been in every match. Yep. They've been mm-hmm. very competitive. Even in the Challenge Cup. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and even when they went um, a goal behind, they never stopped trying. And then I think it was the first game of the season at Lim Family Stadium that uh, the whole crowd went nuts because they went and scored in the, pretty much the last kick of the game oh, to uh, to equalize. So, you know, the the commitment, it, it's there. You know, just that the results haven't just gone our way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like that second one, the Challenge Cup. Uh, what was it, Trinity Rodman? It was it, she that scored like in uh, you know in extra time. Like you look, you know, you just go look at the, the the list of all the matches we play. That's a loss, but like they barely got that one off. Like we held them up for that long. So it's just everybody's just got to align their expect expectations to that. And and again, it's kind of hard considering that you know. We also have Louisville City, which the expectation is to win pretty much each and every game. And and they're different. Uh, I mean, they're in different stages of, uh, of of where they're at as a team. So it's not completely fair to put them on the same yeah. judgment scale. Yeah. Well, I mean, and even in that 5-0 game, it's not like they weren't competitive in that game. They got dominated. Let's not kid ourselves. But when they got dominated in a competitive way, as in that they were in the game for an hour. They were a goal behind, but competing, doing the best they could. And then there was an avalanche of goals for 12 minutes. They get three goals and the game's completely put away. But, uh, you know, despite the fact that they couldn't really get on the ball and they couldn't really uh, make much against North Carolina's defense or ever possess it in their third, they were making them work, and they were uh, they were stretching out what North Carolina wanted to do, and really made them work for it for an hour before they finally capitulated. So I mean, I, I don't mind getting blown out in your rookie year as an expansion team. I mind not caring. I mind not fighting. I mind not learning. And uh, it felt like they did all three of those in that game. And so uh, I'm I'm optimistic that you add Ebony Salmon as a real striker, which right now we've been yep. playing with sort of a false nine, and that's that changes what your offense is trying to do. Uh, I think that you add a, a true out and out striker, and you add a seasoned backbone defender like Jim Bonner, and uh, you might see some differences because there's been so many real great bright spots in uh, Emily Fox's play and in Savannah McCaskill's play. And then obviously CC Kaiser scoring goal, Mina Ekic playing well. I mean, it's just, there's been some really great bright spots to see Michelle Betos being just, I mean, frankly, the goalkeeper of the year so far in the NWSL. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I like the direction we're going as much as you possibly can for a five nil loss. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm also liking what I'm seeing, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to watch how um, these girls are, are pressing to win a game. It's not like they're, they're just sitting back and just taking it on the chin, you know. They're, they're trying to lead from the front and get get up there, and just the um, the goals haven't come the way we'd like or expect. But um, it's only going to come with time. 
you know, and people just got to realize that uh, it will take time. It's not going to happen in five minutes. And, uh, you know, just give them a chance. Yeah. Um, so I like to get into the analytical side of it a little bit. I'm kind of a stats nerd with stuff. And I was glancing at something before I got shut down on a site from the free usage because I had to pay to get more and I had to leave the office and get here. But I was looking at, I think this is a good transition into what we've kind of been speaking to. But for those of that that are really listening, don't do your eye test. Let's let's talk about the the stats, the real like cyber metrics type stats. Mm-hmm. The XG for racing right now in most games is about 2.5 or 0.25 to about 0.5. XG stands for expected goals. Mm-hmm. That's based upon positions they're in, how clinical they are, different mm-hmm. angles, all these different things. To go to what we're used to, like how Evan was saying that we're reactive, very reactive crowds, very reactive supporters because we're used to Lou City, which is more of a finished product that's had the same team together for basically the last five years. Lou City right now is about 2.75 XG per game. So what you're seeing is a young team that hasn't been together, that's learning a new system, that is putting all kinds of pressure on teams that have been together for a while. It's just that final product. We're talking about a striker coming in. We're talking about a center back with experience coming in. And then you look at Loose City, and they haven't really wowed us with anything this year. It's just what we expect. And the stats would show that they're looking to score about two and a half to three goals a game. And they're only looking to give away about one goals per game. That's that's the stuff that's in nuts and bolts of like, look at the system. What are we building here? That's what's important to me. It's not just the stats, but when you sit back and look at it, you go, they're really working their tails off. They're just lacking that final bit of quality because they're the youngest team in the NWSL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that even more than the actual numbers, so 0.25 to 0.5 XG is a really small number. It's not a very good number at all. It's not what you're hoping for. No. But when you're looking at it and you see that we're outperforming that number because we're scoring you know, multiple yep. goals in multiple games throughout the Challenge Cup and early in the, in the NWSL, that's a, that's a definition of effort and of individual quality. So it's a, that, that you get goals on stuff like Amina Ekic, which would have her goal would have been a nothing XG, Point and yet uh, you end up with a goal out of it. Uh, whereas the men's side is not getting the amount of goals that you would expect from the XG, and that is uh, the, the finished product, the finishing, the, the, the last third, uh, what you're accomplishing there. And so uh, it's, not, it's a more of a question of, is the team working their asses off? And racing obviously is. And I love the attitude, too. When they get a goal, man, they're all celebrating as a team. They're doing fun stuff on Instagram and on Twitter where you can tell that they're building a culture to be together and to spend time together and to want to win for each other. And so I think that uh, all of that is going to reflect in those advanced metrics the, the more they play together and the longer they do. What I see from that, though, mostly is this is a team that wants it. They're not there yet, but they want it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean... My- my one takeaway for some of the stats, and I'm going to preface this, that I'm I'm well aware that there's no correlation necessarily between possession and winning. But we've, I think, only one out of all the matches that we've played have we won the possession battle, particularly this, this North Carolina one. It was 60-40. I think if we can even that out a little bit more, maybe not necessarily win every time, but even it out, get more possession and take a little bit more control and influence the match more, I think that could really help kind of change the tide of things because right now some of these more powerful teams they're dictating how the game is being played and we're having to play to that i mean it's much the same on the louisville city side of things we go around and we bully teams and they play the way we want to you look back at that san diego match if you looked at their numbers beforehand they like to be the team in possession and dictating things and they came in our house we did not let them happen we dominated them 
Yeah, I yeah. think you can see that with the maturation. And we're going to move over to Lou City in just a minute here, but I want to touch one more thing on racing to to this point. Is that who would have thought that Savannah McCaskill would be playing a six right now? I don't think we drafted her thinking she would be the six, right? We drafted her thinking she's going to be maybe a false nine, but definitely. Not. And she has been the one with Lincoln plays just because she has such good skills on the ball and she has that vision. And because that midfield is not quite yet controlling the play and they're really having to watch out for how high the line we're playing for a defense that puts a lot of stress on them and they're not able to go forward to really kind of make these intricate moves that we've started to see in the last few weeks with Lou City. Uh, I think that's the difference, but I think it's a great point, Ben. Yeah. And, you know, I, and um, kudos to, to Savannah too, is that, uh, you know, there's been several occasions that I'd be when we're down at Lynn family stadium and she is all over the pitch. One minute she's a left back. The next minute she's up there uh, running down the wing. Then and after that, you know, she's on the right back. And then, you know, I think the next time we're going to see it, she's going to be in goal. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do too. I, I, I hope not. I think Michelle Betos is playing well enough that I'd like yeah, to keep I her do. out there. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Let's, uh, let's bounce over to Lou City. Uh, that's a pretty good 20, 25 minute run on racing. Um, Evan, what are you doing with your playing thing there? Are you like- Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with using this particular device and uh, my, my uh, earbuds cord is uh, causing issues. So I apologize. <laughs> I'll, I'll have it stored in here in just a second. And, uh, and then I, more than anything, you just gotta stop playing with it. Like your mom would say, <laughs> it sounds like you're doing some like 80s rap, like scratching on a record or something like that. Yeah, that's that's really my strength. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump into uh, Lou City's last two games because just on in the house, we weren't here last week to, to cover that. So 2-1, uh, Lou City over Landon Donovan. Um, we saw some interesting things. Cam scores a pen. Kyle Gregg, some compared it to like a karate kick. Uh, I looked at it more like a donkey kick because it was kind of reverse and like behind him. And there's not a lot of karate kicks that you do. What was it like to see Landon Donovan sent off? Brilliant. There's, Couldn't have happened to a better Everton. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's two things I I love in, in soccer particularly. One is where your team stops a penalty kick. That's a huge big moment. And the second is seeing a red card on the opposition team. So to see that happen to, to Landon Donovan, oh, I lost it. We didn't need it at all at that point, but it was it was so great to see. <laughs> Loved it. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, the, the, one th- the one blemish that we had on the, the whole night was um, when they scored at the Scousers' house. And uh, Evan, I'm not sure if you... Uh, saw that ball come over but it seemed to just go right over the top of diesel's fingers and then just dip right after um it came across his fingers because i thought it was going to go over when it was first struck and uh, how it, it dipped over his fingers i have no idea yeah it was a real it was just sort of like a an outlier goal everybody I feel like we had just gotten the second goal at that point, the great mm-hmm. goal, and it was like, okay, there's no time left. We've got the we've got the victory two nil here. Everybody's starting to enjoy themselves and hang out, and then uh, it didn't even feel like a shot when it came in. It felt like you know he was just sort of banging at it, and uh, mm-hmm. and it dipped exactly how he would need it to to come into the goal. I mean, it was uh, well struck, well taken. Hubbard was caught flat footed, 
and uh, you get your goal out of it. But I mean, it did feel just very much like uh, uh, it felt like it came out of the blue and that it was anticlimactic. It was just sort of, oh, darn, is how it felt. So, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, because uh, I think for the most part that, you know, Louisville City, they control most of the game. And um, we've got uh, two really good goals. And um, I was really proud of the guys um, that night. Um, however, however, I do have a bit of a rant to go on on this one. And uh, um, I, I know um, our former coach, John Hackworth, he was at the game. And I found out through the grapevine from a couple of people that during the game he was booed by our own supporters. And that is not good. What has that guy done to deserve that? All he's ever all he's ever done is put himself first and the team first. And you know, well, man, that just pissed me off when I heard that. And um and I, I just don't get it. Why would you boo the guy? I think it was more complicated than just straight up uh, coach being booed. Uh, full disclosure, I went over and chatted with him for a good 10 minutes during the game. And I, I've never disguised the fact that uh, I'm a I'm a huge John Hackworth supporter. He was great to me before I went to work for the team. He was great to me while I was working for the team and uh, has been nothing but kind to me since I've left working for the team. So I, Coach Hackworth has a huge place in my heart as a human being and as a coach. So that all out of the way. I'll say that I don't I don't feel like he felt that at any point during the game that he was getting booed. Like I, that was not the impression I got. Uh, what it sounds like happened was that when his son came into the game uh, in the, the, the latter stages of the second half, uh, that uh, there was booing going on when it happened. But I thought I thought and uh, actually David O'Connell backs me up on this because David O'Connell was booing when Morgan Hackworth came on, not because it was Morgan Hackworth, but because the player he was replacing had been in a couple of dust-ups with uh, Niall and Cam and then Niall again and Antoine. And so he had been, uh, been, yeah, number nine Spencer was, uh, which blew me away, not Luke. So uh, that he had been (laughs) a very, the displeasure of Scouse's house in particular had been voiced at this guy because he was being a real piece of work. Uh, during the PK in particular. And so he was coming off the field and David was like, I was booing the hell out of him. He didn't even realize that Morgan Hackworth was coming on. And so I don't know if that's everybody, but I'll tell you, I don't feel like there was ever a point in the game where people were like, it's John Hackworth, boo. I feel like there was misunderstandings of everything that was going on, including by Morgan Hackworth, who I think thought he was getting booed himself Mm -hmm. in place of his father. Uh, Hack was emotional the whole night uh, when I was talking to him. Uh, it was an emotional night. You're watching your son play against your old team in a stadium that you helped christen. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure it was emotional. Uh, but I, I, I didn't think that it was just as simple as anybody getting booed for being Coach Hackworth, or at least I hope it wasn't because uh, that I man deserves nothing but cheers. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that was the case. I mean, if anything, I think there was a lot of outrage that he was left, whether warranted or not. Obviously, we don't know the details and won't find out those details. And I don't um, want to know what the details are. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, it, I don't it, particularly it, care. It's none of our business. Yeah, but I mean, some people felt entitled to that. But anyway, uh, but so I that's mean, a good way, that's a good way to phrase that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean. I, you know, I don't I don't particularly care. I, I, I don't like again, I think he has a lot more 
he has a, still has a ton of fans within this fan base. Mm-hmm. You know, the, yep. you know, I was thinking, 100%. I didn't hear the booing personally, um, but, um, you know, my, Thinking in my head, like, what's the most basic reason they could boo at him was maybe the fact that he was wearing the other team's gear within the stadium. I mean, even though his kid plays for it. Again, I'm I'm grasping at straws here trying to justify for that if there was yeah. booing occurring. I don't think do I, 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 I'm not got nothing but love for the guy. So, you know, um, I'm, I'm really sad to see him go. Um, but, hey, it's football for you. We just got to move on and uh, get behind um, our new coach. And that was Danny's first win. So for you, you that were in the stadium there, what were your takeaways from from how we meant? Uh, you mentioned this earlier that, uh, you know, that we kind of dominated the play the way the San Diego wanted to play. Mm-hmm. What, what else did you guys see about that? Because I was watching it just on TV from Red River Gorge in the cabin on a laptop. So it's hard to get a real feel for what's happening there. If you're not at the if you're not the game itself, that doesn't sound like too bad of a place to do it. It's yeah. home away from home, brother. Home away from home. I got the um, I got the stats from that match pulled up, and I mean, like, if you look at them, like, we pretty much dominated in every category. Almost sixty percent possession. We had twenty total shots, fifteen created chances, three big chances, passing at you know eighty five percent success rate. I mean, we were doing what we wanted on that pitch. Even looking at the average like player placement, it was all on the on the San Diego end of the pitch. Um, like I said before, I remember writing my my match preview for that one, and I noticed that San Diego really likes to kind of control and influence the game in their own way, and we didn't allow them to do that, and they kind of really didn't know how to react too well from that. That was kind of my my high level takeaways. Again, we're we're just such a strong team that you have to have a game plan to counter the kind of pace that we want because we're going to dictate that. Sounds cocky, but I mean I think that's the way it's been. Stats for yeah. yeah. And you know when Lou City's when Lou City's been at their best over the last five, six, especially the last three years, uh, it's been because they dictate what they want to do and make other people react. There hasn't been any gimmicks, any uh, any changes of formation. I mean, like you can name them on one hand the times when we've said we're going to change what we do to make sure we're better than you. It's we're going to go out and play our style of soccer, and if you want to beat us, then you're going to have to beat us. And Tampa, I mean, I'm sorry, not Tampa. That's getting a different direction entirely. Uh, San Diego uh, just didn't look like they had any real hope of beating us at our game. And so uh, I thought well, Landon Donovan actually, was outmatched, and I thought that uh, San Diego was outmatched, even though both of our goals point. were kind of fluky. So um, San Diego, when they came to, to Louisville, they didn't um, play the way they wanted to play. And let's face it, you know, coming from San Diego to Louisville isn't a, a short road trip. You know, you, you're coming across three quarters of the country to get to, to Louisville, Kentucky. So that's going to translate. We're going to see this on Friday um, when um, racing Louisville, they fly out to Portland to go play all the way out there. And it's not across one time zone. It, it, it's across, what, three time zones right now? Um, so I'm sure crossing that many time zone has got to have an effect on a team, you know, because, um, I know, uh, you know, somebody, somebody pick up on this, but it it absolutely does like influence them. I mean, like I've, I've, I've been to San Diego before it's, I mean, it's just, it's just a long tiring thing. And for you to have like such a physical job as a, as a soccer player, I'm sure it impacts them. But to put it this way, I feel very confident if Louisville City hopped on a plane with San Diego, 
we, we would see the win. So I don't know that I want to discredit the win based off of the travels, but I'm sure it certainly impacted them. Yeah. As for racing situation, that makes me very nervous because not only do they have that big travel ahead of them, but that's a very good team that they're going to go face. Well, I yeah. think that's the that's the key to me about travel. I, I always say that whether you're talking about weather or whether you're talking about travel, you want as few variables that you can't control as possible if you're the better team. Because everything else just makes for unpredictability. So if you're a really great team, you don't want bad weather because maybe you get an unlucky slip that uh, is going to hurt you more than it would hurt a worse team. Same thing with travel. Maybe you've got three players on your team who don't deal well with travel and so they don't play as well. If you're the better team, you want as few variables as possible. I'm afraid that Portland is probably on paper the better team than racing. And so uh, may face a similar uphill battle that San Diego faced uh, coming here. Uh, that if that that travel makes it ten percent harder to play, uh, maybe it doesn't make the difference if you're not within ten percent of that other team in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's tough to do. And uh, Portland, we'll touch back on racing since we kind of led back there for a second. Portland comes off a win against Gotham, a one nil win. Uh, Portland sitting in third right now in the NWSL. <clears throat> I think racing. I think it could be a little bit of a trap game for for Portland, just because we're coming off a five 0 loss. We've got Gemma showing up. We're not expected to win. We're going across the country. Deck is stacked. It's at ten thirty hour time. You know, at night. Why not? Why not? So, yeah. new you know, new influences coming into the team, and I think um, I, I don't expect another five 0 I I actually expect it to be very competitive in the game, and I think we all do too. I think five 0 we we kind of touched on was a fluke. But uh, I, why not this game? I mean, yeah, I mean, it certainly has. A, I, I don't think it could go much worse than, than the, the previous match. I think they're going to be sure. motivated by that previous performance. Um, I don't know how much of an instant impact uh, Ms. Uh, Bonner's going to be, um, given her limited time training with the team. But who knows? She might be able to jump right in and, and be an instant impact player. I am pretty nervous about playing against uh, Christine Sinclair, who... If I'm not mistaken, is Canada's all-time leading goal scorer, men's or women's side. So she's, uh, yeah, that's that. That frightens me <laughs> when it gets her. Uh-huh. Maybe they just listen to the old Ray Lewis speech, you know, where you just get pissed off for greatness after a five 0 loss. You just, you just get angry at everything. I'd be fine with that. I, I think it goes back to sort of what I was talking about earlier with uh, the idea of of huge variance. You say, why not us? I think that they've got to go in with that same mentality of, you know, let's let's leave it all out there on the field and see maybe if you stack player to player and stat to stat, it's not going to look very good for the tail of the tape for racing. But uh, on a given day, you go out and you play your best. And I think that we have home run hitters. So it's uh, that, that old puncher's chance. I think that uh, what McCaskill's been doing with her long balls uh, and what uh, we can do with uh, Kaiser and uh, – uh, Yuki over the top and uh, maybe Jorian when she comes in. I think that you can go out there and have a real chance to beat a team that expects to beat you. And so uh, I say go out there and throw some haymakers and see if you even if they, even if you get beat, you still leave them with a bloody lip. There you go. Yeah, there mm-hmm. you go. So, uh, Evan, why did you jinx Lou City? You did this on Twitter. You're the first one that brought up if your math was correct about this 1120 days. And um, then it got picked up. By a couple other places that like Lou City even posted something about it in their match recap, and I'm like, "What? Why'd you do that?" I, I've, I've 
I've always been the in my entire history as a Lou City fan, I, I've been the the complete rose-colored glasses guy. I've always believed that we were going to win. I've always <laughs> believed that we were going to do well in every game, in every uh, competition, in tournaments, in whatever. I've, I've, I don't think I've ever picked them to lose. I mean, it's my expectation that they go out there and win every game. And so especially with Lippa FC, I've always liked posting the stats. They're interesting stats. Uh, I, Especially if when I they get that us, big, I, they're very, they're very big. If stats. I jinxed us, I feel bad about it. But uh, I mean, I said <laughs> the same thing last year before each game about how many days it had been. So uh, I, I don't feel that bad. I, you know, I, I am happy to hand off my rose-colored glasses uh, title uh, to Benton, who I love his stuff on uh, BGN and on uh, Vamos Morados. Uh, the recaps on your Twitter are all great. I love them, Benton. You're doing an awesome job. Yes, I sir. do think that you are maybe uh, the most optimistic uh, Lou City guy going currently. And so I'm happy about that. I, 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 I've read what you said about the Lip FC game and uh, heard what you had to say about it. And I'll tell you that you come away from it a lot. Uh, a lot more optimistic than I do. How about I, I had a very okay. strong opinion on that one, and yeah, I think I do tend to, to be optimistic. But really, it's not. It was not all the doom and gloom that we were seeing on Twitter. No, My God, like, like all the stuff not. on Twitter was overwhelming. It was overwhelming. It was incredible. Like you would have thought we just got like I don't know. This absolutely crushed. Like there was a lot of positive takeaways. That was. I don't want to call it a fluke because that's not giving Indy the full credit that they probably deserve. But, like, I don't have a problem with those two penalties called. I have a problem that they happened. But as far as the calls themselves, I think they were unfortunately legitimate. And if that's the only way they can score, they're not going to get that every time they face us. Well, here's the issue that I run into with that. Uh, And that is every stat you can point to about that game, other than the final score, says, oh, Lou City played their game and should have won. The problem is that if Martin Rennie, if you had said to him before the game, Tell us how you win. What is a what does an Indy Eleven win look like at the end of the game? He would have said, "We play really stout defense behind the line. We catch them a couple of times on counters, either with PKs or with a good goal, uh, and then we play really great defense and don't let them have anything cheap, anything easy. Uh, and so, at the end of the day, our stats will look bad, but we'll win the game that way. And so, in the end, Martin Rennie, what his game plan would have been." was executed the way he wanted it to be executed and they won the game. So if you draw something up to win a game and it does win the game, then you played better than your opponent, no matter what any of the other statistics say, because Danny Cruz, if he had been asked before the game, how do we win this game? He would have said, we're going to possess the ball. We're going to press them high. We're going to beat them through the middles and then force them out wide with triangles. We're going to get incisive passing into the middle and create a bunch of chances and score. And we didn't do that. We had the possession part, but no other part of that. Yeah, and I mean, so that's, to me, I think that Indy did exactly what they wanted to and got the win, and that's not a good feeling for a Lou City fan when they can when you can say, "I know what they're going to do," and they still beat us. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, that's a, I think that's a, that's a very good argument too. But what I still feel confident about though is that I just I don't think that that's sustainable for the match over match. I think. You know, in the long run, we're going to win more of those. We're going to find more of those holes. We're going to get more of those goals. I mean, 
you can make several arguments about Lou City's current form. Like I, you know, I don't think like attacking wise, we're not firing on all cylinders. I mean, Cameron Lancaster finally does have a goal to his name, but it was off a of PK that was blocked. And it was a rebound, which wasn't even hit as well as he might have wanted it to. So he's maybe not at top form yet. I mean, we're missing several pieces. Uh, Jogo's um, gone right now. Oscar's out in- injured. Those are those are difference makers. Um, oh, yeah. And then well, even the like, difference maker to me is Brian Ownby. I think that we have, I, I'm going to say this, and I know that some of the players listen to this podcast, and so some of them are going to take exception to this, but I'm going to say it confidently. That is a slow team right now in Lou City. If you look at the lineups we run out there on a game-to-day game basis, none of the players would you point to and go, that's a fast guy. Antoine Hopeno is quick. Sean Tosh is faster than your average center back. But, uh, I mean, if you're talking about Corbin Bone, Paolo Del Piccolo, Pat McMahon, Cameron Lancaster, Niall McCabe, even Oscar Jimenez when he's healthy, that's not a fast team. Your fastest guys on the field are not fast right now. And they, you have to execute perfectly if you can't out-athlete anybody. And right now we're not out-athleting anybody. And so I think that having a Brian Ownby come back and be able to spread the field a little bit is going to be really important to what this team wants to accomplish. Yeah, I don't like this. This last matchup, I don't think that's indicative of how the others will go. You know, barring barring any other uh, other freak injuries or, or or boneheaded mistakes, like we're going to have them on the ropes, and we're gonna. I think we're going to have the higher probability of winning. But I mean, like you said before, that was probably their game plan, and they executed it. You know, props to them. But I feel good about next time. I'm not, I didn't lose sleep over mm-hmm. it. It sucked, but I didn't lose sleep. Yeah, I you hope know. you're right. I, I, I think that the trends that you see out of what we've been playing like this season make me have questions about being able to build through the middle unless we get a little additional speed on the outside. Uh, and maybe Brian Ombi supplies that when he shows up. Maybe. Uh, maybe Abdu John being healthy changes that. Maybe Oscar Jimenez being healthy changes the dynamic of how we're defended coming out of the back. All of those are completely reasonable maybes to put out there, but I don't like having that many maybes. And uh, I, I personally love Danny Cruz. He's a great guy and an unbelievable soccer mind. We don't know how he's going to react to this. Like we, He's an unknown quantity as an actual manager of a soccer team. Uh, I'm curious to see if he, more so than Hackworth ever was, is willing to say, this isn't working right now. we got to try something different. Uh, I think Kyle Gregg was a good sign for that, which was we're sending in a lot of crosses at a pretty short Cameron Lancaster. What if we go out and get a, a big target guy? And they did. So uh, I'm hopeful that that uh, he's willing to to throw caution to the wind and try some stuff. But I think also at the, at the, uh, the game, and I think, Evan, you've just touched on it, is that um, – we uh, really did miss Mr. Gomez down there, going down the left-hand side, and the pace that we had down the right-hand side, it wasn't there. And uh, I think that really hurt us, um, and uh, we lost possession too easily at the top of the box. And then, you know, it, it takes an awful lot of uh, effort to go to run from box to box all the way through the game and you know we get up to the box and we just give the ball away t- too cheaply and then all of a sudden you got to run all the way back again you know so um there's you know a few missing pieces in there and yeah I can't wait for it, um Brian to be back on the team and um you know scaring a few people with his pace and uh, I think that was missing on um Saturday was the the pace down the, the wings 
Yeah, Jogo, Jogo's developed so much, and yeah, like, yeah. I mean, if you know, we're very blessed that if Oscar is going to go out, that we have have Jogo to 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 be there, and and if he's there for next matchup, it's 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 going to be a different. And I game. can't believe the Mexican national team are so selfish that they would want to take our Jogo. That's just being and smart. Take him away, man. Well, but, you know, what, me, what an accolade! What an accolade for the guy, though. He's what 17 years old, yep. and he's already being called up by the Mexican national team. And, the U21s, the Mexican national team. You know, so it's it's ridiculous. Really, yeah, it's and it's and it's a feather in the cap of the Lucidity organization too. That mm-hmm. uh, that that Hackworth went out and identified this guy as a future talent. And uh, said, we want you to be a part of this. And that somebody with such high aspirations said, I want to be a part of that. It's, uh, it's, it's big and it's a feather in the cap and I dig it. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what it leaves with no Oscar Jimenez and no uh, Joe Go on the field for us is Pat McMahon. And Pat McMahon is, I don't do the stats anymore on this. So I don't know if this is still true. Uh, the last time I checked this was uh, almost a year ago. But for a long time, Pat McMahon was the winningest percentage player in Lou City history that when he was on the field Lou City had a better winning percentage than any other player in Lou City's history minimum of five games but uh I don't know if that's still the case but uh that was the case at some points last year so he is a he's a good player he's sound he's he's a good guy to have on your team amazing facial hair what a dude but yeah mm-hmm. uh vibes should not be the focal point of your offense and there were times during that game where Andy and I turned to each other and said, is Pat McMahon the focal point of our offense? Because was that was where the ball was building through. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you want from a winning team. Even if they're going to lay off of him and let Pat bring the ball into the opposing third, that's not where you expect to have great uh, creative offense coming from. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, and his, um, his wherewithal when, he was, when Pat McMahon's on the pitch um, is, is quite evident to see because – um, there, you saw players coming in to um, to challenge him, and with his um, his foresight and his his experience, you know, he just goes, "Leave me alone," and and he just trundles off with the ball. And he makes a a great pass off to somebody, um, and it, you know, I love Pac-Man and, and I know that uh, when he's on the pitch, we got a better chance of winning the game. So we're going to need a better chance. We've got Atlanta United coming up uh, this weekend. That's on mm-hmm. Sunday at 7.30. Atlanta yeah. United has been a little bit surprising uh, from their last few results. They uh, they laid a score down. Was it Tulsa, I believe? Um, yep, Tulsa. Like 5-0, I think it was. It was uh, – I don't remember I what the score is, but it was – yeah, it was bad it was for Atlanta. Or not bad for Tulsa. Yeah, and so you wouldn't expect it of all those youngsters. So um, hopefully our experience will take over a little bit down there. Um one thing I do want to touch on was the uh, from the previous game we didn't touch on was the goal that Corbin Bone scored. That was a screamer. That mm-hmm. should have been a. That was like a da 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 da. Yeah, I was. I'm happy to see him getting score. I like when the midfield guys who don't score, who don't or aren't traditionally known as goal scorers, get on there. I mean, he yeah. got a few last year, but like sure. just seeing somebody different score, that's always fun, especially when it's the first of the season. So. Balance is important too. It, I mean, this team's not going to get where it really wants to go if Cam Lancaster scores 35 goals and the rest of the team combined scores eight. You know, so it's it's going to be important that there be goals coming from unexpected or even expected places. And Corbin Bone's a huge part of that. I think Bone, Hopeno, Ownby, uh, Napo, 
that you're going to have to have guys like that putting in seven, eight, nine goal seasons for us to get where we really want to go. And so uh, Bone getting started earlier in the year than he did last year is a good sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, that uh, just uh, kind of made me feel bad because uh, I still got the camera from uh, that goal and the, the footage is still on the camera and I haven't uh, downloaded it yet, so I'll have to search it out and get it out there. Well, we, we get paid a lot to to not do this, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No uh, worries. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it... At ATL UTD two is sitting one point in front of us in the table. It's early in the season. They played two more games than we have. We played four. They played six. Uh, I feel good about picking up three points. Are, is there a watch party for this one? Uh, I actually, I was actually ta- talking to Jonathan about that today, and I think the answer in that one is no because I think it's hard on the restaurants when they're not at 100 capacity yet, okay. 100 percent capacity. So uh, don't believe there's one planned for that. Okay, gotcha. I, I never go. It's too late for me. Um, especially on a school night. Um, yeah. And I need my beauty sleep. Don't we all? Yeah. And then the next game after Atlanta United 2 is, I think we have 100% capacity, be the first 100% capacity game at Lynn Family Stadium, and that's on uh, June 16th, I believe, versus Birmingham Actors Theater FC. Um, no, so they come, they come back to them. Memphis. Oh, it's Memphis. Even It'll be Memphis on, hold on, I'm looking it up. Memphis on the twelfth. Ah, good. you can head to that. That Wednesday's um, is Actors Theater. Yeah, Actors Theater. I can't wait to get them back in here with a full full packs. <laughs> yes, got that, that actually, of a... Yeah, Actors Theater actually picked up a little bit on Twitter after that reference. So um, they're very good. <laughs> so the first the first home game is uh, the twelfth. You saying we have the full capacity? Yep. And uh, if you don't mind, I'll, I'm going to make make a plug here Go. is that we're currently in talks right now trying to get the first March of the match planned for that matchup. The 100 um, percent capacity crowd, I think it will make for a, for a great old time. So we're I'm currently helping to work out the details um, on that one. So I'll be sure to keep you gentlemen involved so we can get your uh, your fine people involved and get as many people yep. in the mix as possible. Definitely. So everybody keep your eyes out on the old Twitter and Facebook as we uh-huh. uh Look through that, the logistics of that. Yeah, please do, because uh, we like to get the information out so that uh, if you want to go ahead and uh, join the match, the match, then hey, have at it. You know, yeah, we want to we want to make it a make it a big one to celebrate the uh, the grand opening that we didn't get in uh, in yeah. 2020. Yeah. So um, it'd be interesting to see what the atmosphere is going to be like in the stadium, because, um, you know, this last Saturday, that was the most people we've ever had in um the lynn family stadium and um could you feel a difference Ten thousand seven hundred thirty-one people yeah actually you, you you could yeah you know yeah. um so um and when we scored you know that the the uh the noise level down in at scouser's house and was uh it was pretty awesome i just i love the atmosphere of of big crowds like that and i could i i like even before the match, I'm just seeing like tons of people still coming in, and how many people are already seated and mocking around there. Like, oh my gosh, like it feels so much re- like so much more real. We got this big stadium. We're actually like filling it. You know, there's not like eight seats between people. Like, you know, maybe a little yeah. claustrophobic and 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 weird, not like that because I haven't been around people like that. But just just that atmosphere. I'm like, oh boy, I cannot wait for the uh, for that Memphis match. Yeah, and even in uh, Scouser's house this this last weekend. Um, you know, Evan can attest to this. We had people standing behind people, you know, because we're, normally we've had plenty of space right up on the, the rails and everyone stands on the rail. <laughs> yeah. 
but you know, you look around Scouser's house on um, Saturday, and uh, people were standing behind people trying to uh, get a, a good look at the game. And uh, um, the the one thing that really made me smile on um, this weekend was the amount of young kids that were down on the rail and they were right behind the net and. Um, just to watch them and the, the, the looking on their faces when they, um, when the players were on the pitch, it was awesome. Yeah, I thought that the uh, I thought that the attendance was was really great. And obviously, I, I agree with Scouse. I think seeing the the youth uh, get involved and want to participate and be excited about it is maybe even more is better to me than uh, seeing the. Mm-hmm. The, the older crowd settling in, uh, even if it means that I'm a little more crowded than I want to be. But, uh, you know, also there were people standing behind people, but sometimes that happens when an entire section is roped off. Uh, and uh, yeah. so I know that uh-huh. that was uh, quite a point of contention online was uh, that uh, some of the some of the supporters zone down there got roped off for this game. And uh, so that 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 may have uh, created some of the artificial tightness in the waterfront supporter zone yeah yeah um, because i know that a lot of the black sheep they weren't very happy that uh, they had to uh you know give up their spot to uh indy 11 fans so they could watch the game yeah the ex- i mean the explanation i mean made sense i know it's not these things with covid restrictions and the seating planning are never as straightforward as they probably seem like but you know i guess the black sheep didn't get the memo beforehand that might have been Nice yeah, me, I have a know. slightly different uh, impression of what probably occurred in all of this. Uh, and so, you know, I, I agree that oh, the explanation from Brad and uh, the work that Dave does, I know, is second to none. And uh, so I, I know that there wasn't malicious intent to this. But I also know that uh, there were people involved in the decision about where to put Indy 11 fans that uh, knew not to put them over on that side and did anyway. It's it, it, there was one bit of that's one aspect of it is you got to do the other side. There's an official SG that uses that space as your home, even mm-hmm. if you have to use waterfront supporter zone. This happened in the playoffs last year where uh, Tampa brought folks and St. Louis brought a ton of folks for the playoff games last season, and they were all in the waterfront supporter zone for the same reason. You don't want to give up seats, but uh, you can't put them in the actual home of an SG. You got to put them on the other side, which is where Tampa and St. Louis were last year. And I'm 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 a little disappointed that they ended up on that side because whatever you think of the Sheep's Pen, and there's plenty to say about them. Uh, I I'm a huge fan of some of those guys and a huge pain in the ass to a couple of those guys. And uh, yeah. so uh, there's there's plenty to say, but they are still listed as an official supporter group of Blue City. Mm-hmm. And if they are, then they got to get their spot. They, they, there's no scenario where you get to replace an official SG with away fans. And so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little annoyed that that happened, that those guys got booted out of their spots for a game, and that, that can't happen. Moving them to the supporter zone, that can happen, especially with a pandemic. But putting them in the spot of the sheep's pen, that's, that's a blunder, and I don't know how that gets by some of the people who were involved in that decision. Yeah. Yes, I was just critical of you, Brad. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, th- thankfully we won't be dealing with these COVID protocols. Thankfully, for too much longer, so it will be hopefully an issue of the of the past. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and then we can shove uh, shove Indy and um, and any of the other way crowds in the in the corner that they belong in. Absolutely, we you know they're not going to give us any seating love when we go up there. 
Definitely no, they awesome. kick us to the far corner of the earth for those games. So. <laughs> yeah. After that's where they should be. That's where they should we were, be sitting. I thought we were going to destroy the stadium in the Eastern Conference final a couple of years ago. The amount of racket yeah. that we were able to create up there at Indy. <laughs> that was Once, incredible. It, it was. It, it was almost like the fire was given to the monkeys. It took us about 15 minutes to figure out how loud we could get when we were banging on the seats, just stomping on them, and everybody's like, oh, this is even louder than we've ever had it. This is so fun. And everybody's <laughs> yeah. just banging on it for no reason. So even like you walk the steps to go to the bathroom, you just stomp on the steps just to make a point. So, yeah, they, they did not show us any love at all, but we did not give them any love in return. Um, we're going to move on to a couple other things here uh, in the sake of time. Um, Evan, how is being a parent? It lives up to the hype. Uh, I think that's the that's the main thing you can say is it's it's everything everybody tells you it is. It's all of that love. It's all of that uh, unbelievable sudden affection and uh, desperate, uh, you know, panic and uh, you know just just all of the everything they tell you it's going to be. It is that, uh, and then but you didn't know you could care that much before and so it suddenly makes things that seemed important before seem not that important anymore yep uh and uh it's 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 really pretty phenomenal our guy is a great guy i'm a big fan of him he's been a good good baby <laughs> thus far and uh so we're 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 just pleased as punch and happy all the time but uh it's it's pretty phenomenal so who who stays up at night uh when the baby's crying is it you or katie it's pretty solid 50-50 until last night with my ankle because now I can't stand to change him and I can't walk him around and uh, cradle him. And so until last night, it had been a pretty good 50-50 of who was watching him. Last night, Katie took the brunt of it for the whole night, and uh, it's, that sucks for her. That sucks. So yeah. I, hope, uh, I hope I heal up quickly. You're going to have some catching up to do when you are healed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll probably yeah. take a three-day in a row uh, stint when we get list. there. But. Yeah. So um, how many times has um, young Floyd um, grabbed you by the beard and give it a good yank? He is really strong grip. And uh, <laughs> even beyond the beard, I don't think anybody would be surprised. I've got I'm, – I'm a hairy guy pretty much all over. And uh, worse than the beard, he's really good at catching chest hair and just, oh, yeah. uh, uh-huh. just yanking. So uh, uh-huh. I love that kid unbelievably. But uh, if he were to start wearing more mittens, I don't think I'd mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one with like just the mittens like not individual finger gloves just mittens just yeah. like that that's horrible for audio that are listening to this and not watching this benton <laughs> what uh you're over there doing you're how many how many words do you write a week right now oh gosh that's a good question i should figure that out you i do like that's on your word count i yes. know slacking on my own stats <laughs> i do a couple i mean i'll do at least a couple pieces a, a week and and I kind of have like a rough structure I've kind of put to them, but word count is just kind of, you know, what happens? Not not necessarily stream of thought, like a little more organized than that, but uh, I don't tie a particular word count to it. So you got Beautiful Game Network going on. You've got all kinds of things going on. We'll have the links to those. So what, what are you enjoying most about the Beautiful Game Network? Um, the ability, I mean, I, I like having the flexibility of having multiple platforms I can write for my own website, vomismaris.com, as well as the Beautiful Game Network. It allows me to kind of keep my site kind of dedicated to Louisville City since that's kind of initially what I had written it on. And then I just I like to keep organized like that. And, I, and I've been able to put racing on the Beautiful Game Network where I, where I feel like it has higher probability of seeing more traffic 
from from external sources than than my old little site where I'm still trying to learn about SEO and <laughs> all those fun uh, internet things. Um, but it's been cool. You know, I've I, I feel like I've been spread a little thin trying to keep up and do a bunch of writing on both. So I'm probably going to be scaling back slightly on the racing side. I'm still definitely going to do stuff related to them. But as far as every match recap or, or previews, probably won't see as much from me. I did pull into the um, into the mix another uh, writer. I went out and did a little recruiting. I don't know if you guys have seen Becky Morgan on, on Twitter yet, but um, I put out some feelers like, hey, who wants to do some anybody interested in doing some writing? Like, And That's I got great. to talk with her and we, we had very similar stories where we both really went to be involved, but we didn't see ourselves as the kind like getting on the capo scan or stand or waving flags and doing all that stuff. But we found our niche doing this. And uh, so I kind of helped her get involved with the beautiful game network as well. And she's taking the ball and run with it. She makes me uh, look like I have a third grade education because her writing is so much better than mine. So <laughs> it's giving, giving me motivation to pump up my game. So, but no, I mean, I wanted more voices in the mix and stuff like that. So you'll probably be seeing a lot from her. If you guys don't already follow her, make sure you do that. But I, uh, I plan to continue to be doing, uh, doing a lot of the, uh, little city writing still, um, on my uh, website at minimum, the match previews and recaps. And then I have some other, other thoughts of posts I want to do, um, as well. I want to do one like on the, all the TIFOs that have happened. I'm trying to catalog of those. It's not easy. Uh, <laughs> I want to write about all the, all the like the youth movement movement that I can see coming on the horizon for the team, like just a lot of cool other pieces. I don't know. I've never envisioned myself as a writer per se. This has just kind of been a fun creative outlet and a way for me to be be more engaged with uh, with the soccer scene. It's been a build over over years that's accumulated into this. Well, keep up the good work. There are a lot yeah, of people that are following well. it. It's making a difference. So keep it up. Yeah, so uh, I always look forward to. I always look forward to seeing what you got out there. I really do. I've, I've had fun doing it, and I've had fun that that people are enjoying it as well. The the feedback's been very positive. Everybody's been very receptive, and that's made it easy. Because at first, I didn't even put my name tied to it. I was just kind of nervous about putting myself out there. But we have a good fan base, and they they made that easy for me to kind of be more public with myself and what I'm doing. Keep it up, keep it up. Scouse, I've got one or two notes that are Scouse House notes. Uh, okay. Let me go ahead and hit those and then we'll start wrapping this up, you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, the last couple of games, I've um, noticed as we had uh, quite a few brand new uh, people come down and experience Scouse's House for the first time. Um, and to that extent, you know, I'm going to shout out to... Um, Mandy uh, Frankberger and Michael Frankberger and Aaron Murphy, who um, love Scouser's House so much, they've already signed up for um, a membership in Scouser's House. Right. And, uh, um, you know, now they're interested in um, starting to join us for racing Louisville games as well. So we're, I'm seeing a lot of new faces in there and I'm glad to see them. And uh, um, we we had a um, a special guest in uh, Scouser's house over um, the last weekend, which was um, Danny Cruz's wife and uh, son, were joined us in Scouser's house with, with their family. So Sebastian's uh, adorable, isn't he? Yep, yeah, and uh, you know it's uh, it you know makes you you feel kind of uh, blessed that you know you you got these. Uh, you know, these people showing up just to stand in, in Scouser's house to watch the game because, you know, they know what they're going to get. But the one funny thing was, um, you know, we were, as we do is we were telling the referee that he's a complete and utter wanker. Sure. And we're, sing we're singing our heads off. 
And then when we um, we finished singing, there's this three like six year old kids behind us, and they all go referees a wanker, referees, and the mother's trying to go, shut up, shut up, shut up. And I said, oops, sorry. We're we're I'm just bad. far enough removed from uh, from Britain scouts that most of them don't know what they're saying, and I have to be yeah. explained to them on the ride home. <laughs> oh me yeah. uh, Evan I know you've got to jump off we're still going to toil on for just a minute or two after but you have any parting shots before you before you bounce brother you got baby duty I'm sure yeah I've got uh, I've got my turn uh, my turn feeding the little guy so I'm going to hop off of here I wanted to say thanks guys you know how I uh, feel about the the two of you Benton you uh, are, are really carrying the torch for new content creators for uh, Lucidity and for racing and it's just so important that people be doing stuff like this. I'm so excited to get to read your stuff and watch your stuff and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Do it well, because it is uh, it's important uh, that that we have people who take the initiative to do things like that in the fan base. And uh, I know that in my old position and uh, also now just as a private citizen, it, it, it makes me happy to know that uh, I'm going to get content that's not just put out by Jonathan Lintner. So uh, everybody, you're doing great. And uh, guys, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Thanks, sir. Thank See you, buddy. Evan. Take care. So a uh, couple things, Scout, since uh, we had our last one, and Ben, I kind of want to get your take on this a little bit, too. I, I don't know how much of this has been out there, so we'll throw it all out there. Uh, we did become an official SG of racing. We decided to do that. Um, that was kind of presented to us. We had a meeting, it's been, I guess, two weeks ago now, hasn't it, Scouts? Yeah. yeah, two, three weeks ago. Yeah, got together and did that. And then also we're going to be starting up an initiative, and you may have seen some of this up. We touched on it on our last podcast uh, very briefly, but uh, Kids Club for uh, both Louisville City and Racing coming over to uh, this, this side of the stadium just makes more sense with the ability to move around. So we're excited about that. We need help <laughs> because we're working with them right now to figure out the logistics of that. Scouts, you and I haven't really talked since that last meeting. Has there been no, any other haven't. conversations? Not yet. Um, I need to get uh, everybody who uh, told me that they'd like to volunteer and help um, get this up and running. And there's going to be a lot more um, discussions to be had um, regarding it. Um, you know, it's not like uh, we're expecting it to be done next week. You know, where our aim is to have it up and running before the beginning of next season. So we've got a little bit of time. We don't have an awful lot of time. But um, whoever is out there watching this and Benton, if you can help us out, if you're interested in, in helping us out and getting this off the ground launched, you know, Scouser's House is taking the lead on it. And I, I want to hear from you. I want to hear your ideas. I want to um, hear what your opinions are so that uh, we can do it right from the first time. Because, um, you know, I didn't want to rush it and get it done halfway through this season, you know, get, mm -hmm. give us a bit of time and, you know, just a few um, short months after that, we, we get it done, we get it done right and um, bring as many kids to the game as we can. Because if you saw the kids' faces at the, the front rail this last weekend, you know, if I can just get one of those next season, I'd be happy about it, you know. But, uh, you know, and it just ne doesn't necessarily mean that you have to come to Scouser's house to be part of a kids' club, you know. You show up at the stadium with your dad, you know, show up the stadium with your uncle, you know, with your friends so that uh, you can uh, enjoy the game and learn from it. It's It's been awesome watching the kids in this new stadium. I guess I don't know if it didn't happen at Slugger. I just didn't see it. But after these matches, all these kids like lining up to see the players on the sideline getting autographs. I'll remember it was 
probably I think it was the first racing match. There were so many like little girls down there trying to connect with them and like mm-hmm. they have people that they can look up to and they can like kind of see a path to them playing the game. And I mean, the, the, the boys side have already had it for a little bit, but having the girls now have that, too, is, yep. is phenomenal. And and I think it's just so important to get them involved, you know, because they could be future players. They're going to be future fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they are the future. And I'm I'm glad they're getting experience. What uh, what some of us didn't have. Um, have his children, you know, I played the soccer growing up, but I can't say I got any more invested than going out and playing for the, for the Y team. You know, I, I, I couldn't, there were no games for me to go and attend, but now these kids have it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, over the last um, few years, we've gone from um, having no soccer out here at all. to now we've got Louisville city. We've got racing Louisville. We've got U of L down the street. We've got Bellarmine. You know, we got IU across the river. You know, we got Metro UK. Local. Yeah, you know, and Metro Louisville just won a championship. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations, Metro Louisville. Brilliant. That's what I like to hear. And then um, the other thing is, too, people um, over in Europe are, are starting to, um, you know, reach out and ask me questions. You know, people really? completely out of the blue. You know, so um, it, it's it's great to see that uh, how much that um, this area of um united states has become such a mecca for um first class football i love it i love it yeah a uh, couple shout outs before at least my last parting shots of shout outs uh thank you to tag and to donald for hosting us idiots two weeks ago for yep, uh, kind of mid-season. we did it upstairs at molly's which is always a fan fun place to do it was a great it was like 82 degrees and the wind yeah. was blowing and nobody was wearing masks so we all felt like we knew what everybody had teeth we still realized that <laughs> uh, but also a huge thanks to uh, Mitch Reed. For those of you all who have not got a chance to get Mitch Reed, our VP of Sales and Marketing for uh, yeah. Soccer Holdings, the guy has a wealth of knowledge. I mean, there were some really good questions brought up. There were some really uh, questions I didn't like brought up, but it's okay he filled them. This guy's worked with LeBron James mm-hmm. at the Cleveland Cavaliers. This guy's been around. He knows what he's doing. So if you get a chance to just sit down and talk to Mitch, if you meet him around, just chat with him. This guy knows what he's doing. He's helping to build this thing, and he was completely open and transparent. Uh, big thank you to to the gaffer, Christy Holly, for coming out. He hung out uh, during the meeting as well. Yeah. And just sat around and just chatted about footy. So it was great having him. I, I wasn't surprised that Danny wasn't there. Christy knew that he was going to be a head coach about three weeks ago. Danny didn't know that he was going to be a head coach three weeks ago, <laughs> so I didn't expect him to be out there. So um, we'll see Danny back out soon. So thank you to all of them that did that. And um, we appreciate your support, anything that you can do to help us out, because we're just doing it uh, for zero dollars a month, zero dollars a year, trying to help out this game. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then the other thing I'm working on this week is uh, just keep a, an eye out on the uh, the house, because um, I'm talking with um, a contact of Tigs, and we're going to try and get some uh, new T-shirts printed out and uh, you know, everybody that um, has signed up for um, being a member of Scouser's House, we're going to get them a T-shirt, you know. So, um, you know, that that's coming up, and um, I, I can't wait. And please, 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 you know, join Scouser's House. You know, um, it's 10 bucks. Um, you know, you, you can't even go to a Louisville City game for 10 bucks, But, you know, you can be a member of Scouser's House, okay, and we'll get you a nice cool T-shirt and everything, and... Um, you know, it, uh, it helps us. And of course, you know, um, you know, hopefully, you know, pretty soon, not hopefully, pretty soon, we you know we're going to be hopefully writing a, a nice check out to uh, KRM. 
you know, so to, to, to benefit them, you know, and um, all it takes is, um, you know, your commitment to Scouser's house and come down and join us because we do have the best seats in the house, bar none. Um, we're right down there on the pitch, and um, I'm not saying that just because, you know, I'm Scouse of Scouser's house. It's because it's true, you know. Um, and then, I, you know, I asked... Uh, um, Brittany, um, Danny's wife, the other day, and they said, well, You know, why did you come down to Scouser's house? Who says the best view? You know, brilliant. You know, that's all I want to hear. <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't experienced Scouser's house, come on down, stand with us, and you'll see why we have the best seats in the house. Benton, thanks for jumping on here. Anything, uh, last details going for you or your side of the pitch or anything? I got two very quick things. One, the pride raiser has now started that pretty much all the supporters groups are a part of. I think the, the Louisville City ladies are spearheading it, but we're all a part of it. So if anybody's listening and has not yet put in their pledge, make sure you go ahead and do that. Uh, we want this to be a big, successful uh, fundraiser. I, you know, one of the reasons I got as involved with the Coopers as I have is I felt that there was a lot of charitable potential within the mm -hmm. fan base. We have a lot of good people, yep. and I want to really help leverage it. And I think this could be one of the uh, – the best of the season. So please make sure you get that pledge in. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the link thrown out on Twitter and Facebook or whatnot, but, uh, but please make sure you do that. And second yeah. thing is I want to thank you guys very much for having me on. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity. I was honored to come on big fan of the show. And so, uh, very, very giddy when you, uh, when you, when you sent me a message, my mom, oh. was, my, my mom was just asking me, you going to any more podcasts or is she, she just, she follows all my stuff. Doesn't follow soccer, but she follows mine. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, not yet. And then I, think I got it like, like 30 minutes later. Yeah, she'll be listening. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I thought it was a funny coincidence. So, but anyway, thank you guys for having me on. I do appreciate Anytime, it. Anytime. You're always welcome. Always welcome. Always, always, always. And your newest counterpart, too. Uh, please uh, open invitation if she would like to join us at some point. So yeah, get yeah, her on so, here. So yeah, yeah. he's the werewolf behind you. Oh, that's Lily. Come here. She doesn't like being picked up, but I'm going to do it anyway. Come here. Oh, there you go, little bastard. Yeah, Lily. <laughs> Beauty. She's my what baby. I know. What a She's beautiful. All right. Ben, thanks for jumping on. Scouse, as always. Brother, I'll see you soon. Uh, this Thank you. This should be out in the next day or so. We appreciate yeah. it. Cheers, everybody. Yeah. And I'm going to try and find another location for next week. So, except <laughs> sitting at the stadium, I'll, I'll find some place else to go. Yeah, uh, sit. yeah. maybe the top of Everest. You know, <laughs> I may do that one next week. There you go. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, guys. All Good right. night. Thank you, gentlemen. You take care.